an important food, a healthy food, and a basic food that can be served in more than a hundred different ways. Hello and welcome to the Fat for Weight Loss Show. My name is Aaron and I am your host for today's episode. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, let me introduce myself. Firstly, I am from Australia, if you hadn't already guessed from the accent, and I run a ketogenic food blog called Fat for Weight Loss, found at fatforweightloss.com.au. And the aim of this podcast is to dig into the world of nutrition, fitness, and everything in between. I'm a nutritional therapist and an advanced sports exercise nutritional advisor. However, I'm not a doctor, so I cannot give you any medical advice. This also applies to any guests involved in this show. Please make sure you consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet or medication. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Fat for Weight Loss for delicious keto recipes, meal plan videos, and drool-worthy food photography. So let's get right into it. In my fourth episode, I'm interviewing the Aussie keto queen, Rachel Hurd. She's a passionate believer in the health benefits and longevity provided by eating a ketogenic diet. After losing 20 kilos on the ketogenic diet and reclaiming her health and happiness, Rachel now wants to spread the word to the entire world. With an insatiable appetite of cooking fresh, wholesome food and taking beautiful photos, Rachel has created a tribe of keto enthusiasts, ensuring her recipes are well-written, easy to follow, and most importantly, delicious, is key to Rachel's success when staying motivated. Uh, In this episode, we talk about how Australian keto differs from the rest of the world and how we combine so many different cultures into what we eat on a regular basis. Uh, And we go into what it's like to start out on the ketogenic diet and how to turn it into a lifestyle after the initial excitement wears off. We also talk about Rachel creating her own food blog and some tips and tricks on getting started if you're looking at sharing your own recipes like she's doing currently uh her food blog is absolutely amazing so if you want to go and check it out uh, it is at aussieketoqueen.com and check out her delicious food photography on instagram pinterest and facebook all at aussieketoqueen so please welcome the keto queen rachel rachel how are you doing today hi adam i'm good thank you thanks for having me on yeah, it's 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 so great to um you know get to not only speak to someone in Australia, but to get in contact with someone who runs a food blog in Australia as well. So it's really really exciting to have you on here. Um, and I have so many questions to ask you. But the first question is, uh, we we were talking a little bit before we pressed record on the podcast, and uh, we were you know saying that jumping back and forth and saying, do we have something funny that we can start the podcast with? <laughs> and uh, and y- you know you were talking to your husband, and he said, well you know I think we have you have to talk about how amazing your husband is. So can you elaborate a little bit about on that? Well, he, he mentioned that um, it's very important that I mention that he's amazing and handsome um, and as my, my key taste tester for all keto dishes. Um, anyone who's tried one of my recipes can thank him for, you know, tweaking things until they're just perfect. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he's got, a, he's got a habit of telling me things aren't quite right just so I just make, so I make, you know, the same cake over and over again <laughs> so he gets to try it 10 times before it goes live. So he's um, my number one fan, that's for sure. I like that. And uh, you need someone there to give you the hard truths, you know, because 
because otherwise we'd be putting out all these recipes and we wouldn't even know why people would leave the website because they yeah. didn't like the recipe, you know. So. <laughs> exactly right. I, sometimes we sit down to dinner with some friends and I'll say, all right, now I'll say to my husband, Brendan, I'll say, now tell me honestly, like, does it need more salt? Is there too much cumin? Like, is the chicken cooked well enough? And he'll tell me really honestly. And some friends will sit there thinking, what are you doing, man? Your wife's cooking you these delicious meals and you're telling her to change them. <laughs> And I'm like, no, no, I, I need the honest feedback. You've got to have, you know, you've got to have truthful feedback to get your recipes great. So, mm. yeah, it's, a, it's um, good having him to be honest, but not if he tricks me into making the, the keto treats too many times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're all very susceptible to keto treats. Yeah. Uh, that, that, uh, that's so awesome. And, you know, the critical feedback, I think, is, is very, very important. And it's awesome if you, they can, you can have them in the house. So that's great. Uh, I sure. wanted to ask a little bit about you. So I know that you're over at uh, AussieKetoQueen.com. But yep. apart from that, I don't know too much about, um, you know, uh, your story or your, how, how you came about the ketogenic diet. Is that is that something that you can elaborate on? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I, it's it's not my full-time job. Um, the Starting the, the recipe website was a hobby for me. Um, I work full-time, you know, five or six days a week as a property consultant in Melbourne. Um, and that sort of takes, you know, obviously a lot of hours. And then in my spare time, you know, after hours and weekends and Friday nights and that sort of thing, um, I just sort of started creating recipes and, and got the blog up and running. So um, it sort of keeps me really busy. I obviously enjoy cooking a lot lot um and you know my spare time split 50 percent between cooking and creating new recipes and then the other half of the times um you know keeping the website up to date and helping people and answering questions and that sort of thing so um yeah relatively new to the the world the you know bright world of having a blog and a, a website and all that sort of thing um but it, yeah, it's been a an interesting learning curve so far it's been great Mm, yeah, it's I, I, I totally understand what you mean. You know, uh, there's a lot of work that happens behind a food blog. And uh, I was, you know, in that uh, before I actually went full time on my food blog, I was totally in that same boat where you'd basically make recipes all weekend and then you'd sort of trickle them out throughout the week. But, mm. you know, sometimes something breaks or, you know, you get emails and you just you, you can't let it go too far. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I was really naive when I first started. When I th first thought, oh, you know, I'll, I'll make a food website. That'll be fun. And I thought it'd be like 95% cooking and then like 5% photography and then, you know, just put it online. It's simple. But there's there's so much that happens in the background that um, I guess the public might not really see and sometimes get a bit frustrated if I don't answer an email straight away. But I'm like, I'm working hard I'm you know I'm still here doing everything in my spare time so yeah. it's been um, yeah lots to learn and it's definitely kept me really busy but I love doing it well, I really love um, your photography, and I love the web the the website layout. So, so congratulations on getting that uh, down pat because you know, you. a lot of people don't do that properly, and I think you're definitely one that's doing it right. So that's great. Um, that's I always I think you eat with your eyes first and foremost. So you've got to be able to look at a, a photo or a website and go, "Yeah, that looks delicious. I'm definitely going to make that." But it takes time, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it yeah, it takes so much time. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was what was your motivation for starting uh, not only a website but also starting the low carb ketogenic diet yourself? Is was there any backstory? Like, how how did you find it? And you know, what did, have you had any uh, results from starting the ketogenic diet? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, probably about, I probably started keto about four years ago, um, but I'd started looking for a way to lose weight probably two or three years before that. And it was when um, when now husband, then boyfriend, when we first moved in together um, and we got a bit love tubby. We, we were eating a lot of food and eating a lot of pizza and, you know, all the stuff you do when you're in your early 20s and invincible. Um, and we, we really, really porked up. We put up a lot, put on a lot of weight over, you know, probably at the first year year or two of living together um so i started you know looking online about what what do you eat how do you lose weight how do you get healthy and ended up in the same old place about um you know whole grain breads and low-fat yogurt you know have oats with honey and fruit on it after the gym all that sort of thing so i thought all right give it a shot i'm pretty disciplined so we're eating a lot of that stuff and our weight just kept going up and up and i'm like something's not right here um, so from there, you know, lots of research and reading and I sort of, it was when um, paleo was sort of starting to take off with Pete Evans here in Australia. So I tried that for probably about 18 months and still not much success. I felt better, which I think is just a result of cleaner foods and more vegetables than what we were eating before. Um, but it was just still, you know, I didn't have heaps of energy and I was only 24, 25. I should have been jumping out of bed every day. Instead, it was just, you know, feeling slow and lethargic so um, from there from paleo it was sort of a natural progression into keto and after a couple of weeks of being on it it just felt so natural for me my my body just you know was shedding the weight um, and I just felt so much more more energetic and you know even my skin was clearer and just feeling fantastic um, and that was probably about four years ago and in the first the first 12 months I lost 20 kilos um wow. so it was, yeah it's just it just felt so so right for me um and it just you know the weight just dropped so quickly and then I've, I've kept it off for the last three years without feeling really restricted and not trying really hard um and it's just you know I loved it so much that I just I just tell everybody about it <laughs> and that sort of you know that sort of leads into why I started the website I just I want everybody to know about it and I think at the very least give it a shot if you've been struggling to lose weight for years and years and you've tried you know 20 different pills and shakes and you know different 28 day cleanses and all that rubbish just give it a shot for a couple of weeks and that's all I was going to do and you know here we are years later and I won't be going back anytime soon yeah, it's uh, you're, you're preaching to the converted right there. Mm, yeah, <laughs> so. I always love when I find someone who knows keto because it's just like, yes, we, we get it and, you know, we can talk about it all day. Yeah, that's right. So you were saying that you came from paleo into keto and, you know, you're following Pete Evans and uh, doing the, the paleo approach. But for you, mm -hmm. what was the difference and um, what were the, like, lasting changes between going between paleo and then moving on to keto? Yeah, so I was doing paleo um, and going to the gym a lot and I, I felt like I was getting stronger and, um, you know, cardio more fit, but I was I was bulking up as well. I still felt just really puffy and bloated all the time. Um, and changing from keto, uh, changing from paleo to keto and, and cutting those carbs, I just seemed to lose that bloat almost within about a week or two. So I think, um, I think for me personally, I think having, you know, a lot of grains and and um, just doesn't suit my body. So things like I was eating a lot of sweet potato, um, just trying to keep full on paleo, uh, a lot of quinoa, um, a lot of brown rice, that sort of thing, and bulking out every meal with those carbs, which I don't 
I don't think you really need and you know you and I know we don't we don't really need that at the end of the day um and the other big thing which doesn't work for everybody is dairy um I love cheese and not having cheese or yogurt or that sort of thing just felt too restrictive for me so going on to keto where it is you know meat veg dairy for me that's quite simple um and it's it's easy to follow and it's sort of a diet that suits what I like as well Mm, yeah, it's interesting what you say about the dairy because uh, I, I actually get a lot of questions, uh, people doing the ketogenic diet and they also need to be dairy free. So there's a whole mm. world of people out there who <laughs> struggle with all, all those different types of things. But yeah, it's definitely not yeah. uh, restricted on the ketogenic diet. So yeah, that's really mm. interesting. Um, and so you're from Australia and you're you're the first Australian that I have on this podcast, actually, which is really exciting. Um so uh, you said you're from Melbourne. What 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 do you think living in Australia um, has had an impact on on the ketogenic diet for you? Do you think that you miss out on all of the products and all of the companies that make all of these keto related things that might be in America as opposed to living in Australia? Do you think that's a problem for you at all? Um, there's. When I first started, I, I thought it might be because um, all of the websites I was going on to were American. Um, it wasn't sort of super well known, so there was limited um, resources for recipes and that sort of thing. And if you looked up, you know, a keto, re- keto recipe for this, sometimes it would say use this particular brand of pork crackles or um, – and you could not find pork crackles in Australia five years ago. <laughs> they just – they weren't around. Um, so a lot of the recipes were initially American-based. I just found the, the recipes – themselves were super cheesy and creamy and the, a lot of it was just like a meat cheese cream casserole um, which I'm fine with but not every single day for every meal and it just became way too heavy and stodgy um, especially in summer here you sort of want something light and fresh and vibrant um, so it sort of led me to create my own list of low-carb veg that I can get easily, you know, from Safeway or Coles here. Um, and I, I sort of started avoiding recipes for things like spaghetti squash, which we don't get here in Australia, um, which I've always wanted to try, but I can't seem to find it anywhere. So, you know, <laughs> and it seems like every second recipe on Pinterest is a spaghetti squash recipe. So we're missing out there. Um, but then I just sort of started playing around with different ways to make salads and veg more exciting and also husband friendly um, because I just think we expect, you know, a bit more fresher and more vibrant food um, and we, we do love our veg and we love our salad. So I was um, looking at, you know, what was in season here and what was cheap at the time because there's no point putting a cauliflower recipe up if cauliflowers are $7 each because they're so far out of season. Um, you'll just end up with a lot of unhappy Australians down at Coles getting angry, um, <laughs> which, you know, everybody hates it when we're on a cauliflower cauliflower drought over here. Um, I also think that we, we really love in Australia and I know definitely in Melbourne different cuisines from all across the world. So, you know, you can jump on my website and you'll see there's, you know, 20 different curries and there's Thai curries and Indian curries and Malaysian curries. Um, but I also love, you know, Chinese food. I love Middle Eastern food. And I think um, Australians in general do as well, even when we get, you know, naughty takeaway. Often it's from something from the other side of the world. So, um I think that's definitely reflected in my food. Um, and we've also got, I think, like two distinct food seasons in Australia. We, your summer and winter food is so different and we go from 
you know, nice barbecues with salad and we can eat that for three or four months of the year. And then all of a sudden, especially in Melbourne, probably not where you are, Adam, but down here, it's really cold. And like today, it got down to nine degrees. There's no way I'm having salad for dinner. I'm having lamb shanks and collie mash and all those, you know, really comfortable warming foods. Um, so sort of need to cater for both of those. So it's, it's definitely been different, you know, catering to an Australian audience, but I, I think we all appreciate delicious food as well. Mm, yeah, I totally agree, actually, because, you know, looking, as you said before, looking at those American websites, they do have a lot of casseroles and a lot of, um, mm. you know, meatloaf and things like that that aren't really traditional here in Australia. And I guess that's a good substitute for a lot of people in America where they're used to eating, you know, meatloaf packed full of breadcrumbs or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, for us, we have this amazing access to a lot of Asian countries. And, and so, because of that, all of our Asian takeaway and things like that are all so fresh. Like, uh, you know, we've got a Thai restaurant just up the road here and it's super fresh and super, um, you know, really healthy uh, in, in that respect. But you know, obviously on the ketogenic diet, you've got to avoid the carbs. Um, but, yeah, that seasonal eating where you're going from, uh, you know, Italian or curries or, or Chinese, as you said, and Middle, Middle Eastern and Indian and those, mm. it, it, it's such a wide uh, variety of food um, that we do have access to here in Australia, which is, yeah, that, that's something that's really important. I think that um, that's, that's probably what sets, uh, you know, Australian bloggers apart from everywhere else is that we do try and incorporate a lot of that into the, the blog and yeah, mm. into just, you know, recipes in general. Is that, do you, do you have, do you sort of section your uh, recipes on the website out by cuisine like that or is it just something that you No, I was thinking out? about doing it at the start. I thought, you know, I'll have the Indian section, the Chinese section, but then I thought I don't want people to miss out on stuff because they haven't thought about cooking an Indian curry before. Mm. Um, so I, I like the idea that someone wants a keto meal for dinner, they jump on there for dinner, they can search for chicken and they'll end up with, you know, your casseroles and your, your cheesy dishes and that sort of thing. But then they might see, you know, the, there's a chicken pad thai recipe on there and they might have never thought of that before so I like the idea of sort of finding a recipe by accident rather than just you know sticking with the dishes you used to know um, and you know people really experimenting with different flavors and trying new things. Mm, yeah actually that's a good idea instead of separating out by cuisine it's more by ingredient and that's generally what you do you go to the you go to the shops and or you've got leftover ingredients and you go what can I make with this and then jump on the website so yeah that's a that's a great way of na navigating around that um so your food blog aussieketoqueen.com uh is you know absolutely amazing and I was, I was on Thank it just you. before just you know having a look around and I found myself getting a little bit you know uh, down the rabbit hole because you click on this and then you click on that and you go wow <laughs> um, but you know what what was the decision for you to actually uh, create that into a website and I know we spoke a little bit about this before but I really wanted to um, you know maybe touch on how it's impacted your life so far at, at having it part-time and sort of having a little bit of a creative outlet Mm, yeah, absolutely. Well, look, it was never sort of a, a super conscious decision to say, all right, I'm going to make this website and it's going to take heaps of my time every weekend. <laughs> um, it sort of started from when I when I did start keto, a lot of the time I was trying to find a recipe online and I couldn't find it. Um, so I'd make it up and I'd, you know, I'd have my pantry full of keto things and I've always loved cooking. Um, and every now and then I'd sort of make a meal and I'd be like, wow, this is amazing. Like give it to friends and family 
them and they're like, yeah, this is really delicious. How did you make it? And I'm like, I didn't write it down. I have no idea. <laughs> so and then I couldn't recreate the dish. So it started really simply like that. I just started writing down recipes. Um, and then as most people do, once they get into cooking, they start taking photos and being that annoying person at the restaurant, standing up <laughs> over their table, positioning their water glass perfectly to get the, the perfect Instagram worthy photo. Um, so it started like that. And then I've always been a, a little bit techie and, you know, into computers and that sort of thing and um, jumped online one day and said, you know, how do you start a website? Put it into Google. This website said it would only take 10 minutes to get started. So I jumped on and put up a few little um, few little photos and that sort of thing and then just sort of really grew it from there. Um, and just I just teach myself something new every day. So, you know, if I get stuck on something, I just Google it. If I want to improve my photography, I'll Google that and, you know, watch YouTube videos and read eBooks and just sort of I want to get better and better and better at it so I can share um, everything, you know, to as many people as possible and, you know, make those photos look absolutely absolutely delicious so everybody wants to cook them so that's sort of how it's grown over the last few years um and in terms of impact on my life I mean it's it's sort of still really mind-boggling for me it's you know it was only a year ago where um, I got super excited because you know the first real person sent me an email and it wasn't my mum or my sister <laughs> and I was like oh my gosh wow like a real person in another country has sent me an email just saying you know thanks for this recipe and, and that just blew my mind um and to see the rate that it's grown over the past 12 months, it's sort of keto has been a, a hot topic, but to see, you know, thousands of people every day going on and, you know, downloading my recipes and my eBooks and that sort of thing has just, it's really, you know, endeared me to the keto community as well because everyone's been so supportive and, and just amazing. So um, I'd love for, it, for it one day to be, you know, the job, lose the lose the day job and, and do this full time. Um, so it's just a matter of, yeah, sort of keep on doing what I'm doing and giving people what they want, which seems to be recipes more than anything else. So it's been, yeah, a really great experience so far. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, and, and you know, having that uh, dream to eventually go uh, full-time one day is, uh, is so exciting, you know, because there's a definite point in the future where you see uh, yourself being able to do that and, you know, where, where it starts replacing the income that you get from your job or, or you know, whatever metric is that you're trying to track for that. Um, so did you start off making recipes or did you start off, um, making meal plans or what was, uh, you, you know, when you say people really love recipes, have you branched out into doing meal plans or have you branched out into any of those other avenues that sort of incorporate recipes? Yeah, I've been, been thinking about sort of the best way to help people really because I know, I mean, there's heaps of meal plans out there online um, and I think what where I see myself going is creating custom meal plans because um, some of the danger is that, you know, one person A who might be a 20-year-old male going to the gym five times a week wants to do keto to get ripped versus the 55-year-old postmenopausal woman who, you know, mm -hmm. has been trying to lose baby weight for 30 years. They've got such different meal plans and to go to just jump online and do, you know, search for a seven-day ketogenic meal plan, those two people should not be eating the same thing. And, um, 
um, I've sort of I've set up on my website now doing that you can log on and do a little um, fill out a form and I'll create a custom meal plan for you for the first seven days and then you can pretty much you know rinse and repeat sub in new rest new recipes different breakfasts in and out change it to how it suits you but I think having that customized part of it um, for me it just feels like it'll be really really helpful for people so that's sort of one way I'm, I'm thinking of heading um, and other than that I think ebooks are really handy I've always been a, a big fan of um, you know every time I've started a new diet or a new exercise regime or anything like that I'll find the best ebook online and and buy that print it off highlight it bind it you know <laughs> refer back to it all the time um, so I've, I've released a couple of little um, e-books on my website, but I think I'll go down that path a little bit further as well and possibly do like a 28-day getting started guide um, and, you know, hints and tips for people how to set themselves up for success rather than um, just sort of following a templated approach because I think you need to really customise it to yourself to make sure it works for you. Mm, yeah, that's interesting because so many people have different reactions to going keto, you know, because some people might go through the keto flu and they have to battle those types of, um, you know, things that come up with that. But then there's also, you know, as you said before, there's the postmenopausal uh, women or the postnatal women and then the, you know, the, the guy going to the gym and uh, you, mm. you have totally different uh, macronutrient ratios for those people and also like electrolytes and just mm. everything changes. And, um, yeah. So that's a really interesting approach. I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, so if you're looking at getting uh, something like that, a, a personal meal plan done, then definitely go ahead and check that out if you're listening. Um, yeah, great. And so with uh, – okay, so we're talking a little bit about, you know, starting the ketogenic diet and, uh, you know, trying to, you know, ma make it sort of customised to your personal body. Um, yeah. But, you know, you must get so many questions. Uh, and what are some of the mistakes you see uh, people making when they first go on the ketogenic diet? And then what are some of the mistakes that you see when they, uh, they've sort of broken through that little starting barrier and then they're just trying to maintain it and they're trying to make it a lifestyle? There's a, probably two distinct sort of phases I can think of, but it, do you have any tips or do you, do you see many mistakes people are making in those types of areas? Mm, yeah, absolutely. And what you just said there about there being two phases is, is so, so true. I mean, at the start, it can be hugely motivating because a lot of people's bodies react really well to that first, you know, big carb cut and they lose all of that water weight and bloat and get super excited. Um, and then it inevitably slows down. So, yeah, you're completely right there about the being two phases. Um, in terms of getting started, I think the, the biggest thing that holds people back is just overwhelm of information. Um, there's so much information out there and it's not it's not agreed upon even within the keto community about what is correct um, and that can be everything around like how many daily calories you eat whether calories even matter um, protein levels and you know whether you should be have carbs under five percent or whether it's 20 grams and it just goes on and on about what <laughs> is the right way to do keto um, and you have people who are clean keto you have your if it fits your macros keto <laughs> so yeah. um 
you can see some pretty fiery conversations in the Facebook group when you get, you know, two people who have different understandings. Um, I think the most important thing is just to start um, and stop reading because really the only way to start keto is cook one keto meal and eat one keto meal and guess what you've started. It, it doesn't have to be super complicated. Um, if you just take it day by day, meal by meal, you'll learn gradually what works for your body um, and rather than trying to consume all of the information you possibly can online, which you can never do, you'll just end up in this confused tailspin and you'll, you'll put yourself off from ever starting. Um, whereas if you just get into it, give it a couple of weeks and then when something feels a little bit not right in your body, that's when you do some research. So, you know, a good example might be the after about three weeks when I first started, I started getting um, cramps in my calf muscles. So I Googled that and that was when I learned about magnesium and that magnesium can be lacking in a keto diet. Here's the foods to get it from. If you're really stuck, you can take a supplement. Um, but rather than trying to learn all of that before it was even a problem, I sort of waited and listened to my body and then worked out if I did actually need it or not. So I think that's a it's just a matter of cooking one meal, eating one meal, see how you feel and do it again tomorrow. So it doesn't have to be this super complicated process. Um, when it starts to get a little bit harder is that second phase, as you said. Once you've, you know, had that that sort of initial success and you're excited and things are going well and then all of a sudden you're four or five or six weeks in and um, things have started to slow down and, you know, your friend's birthday is coming up and maybe you could just have one little slice of chocolate cake and nothing would hurt. Um, and the big mistake I see there is people underestimate how, if they've been really strict keto for even four or five weeks, if they have that one slice of chocolate cake and a beer, it is going to hurt them and they are going to be sick and bloated and it's going to take a couple of days of feeling miserable and you know, <laughs> some pretty bad pain to recover. Um, so I'm speaking from experience here. I remember the first time I thought I'd just, you know, just try a little bit of ice cream. Everything will be fine. But I had a lot of ice cream and it was a big mistake. Um, so that was a lesson I learned the hard way. Um, and then the other the other mistake at that second phase is expecting it to continue on at a really fast rate of weight loss. Um, I think you have that initial big whoosh of, you know, of water weight especially and your body adjusting, um, but then it's slow and steady and, and that's okay. I mean, there's so many studies out there that show that the slower you lose weight, the more likely you are to keep it off and it's, you know, by a huge margin. So I always said to myself, once it did hit that, you know, slow down period, it's okay because this means I'm going to keep it off. Whereas in the past when I tried ridiculous yo-yo diets and lemon juice shakes and all that rubbish, I'd lose a couple of kilos really quickly. Um, but then it would just come back on, you know, as of Monday as soon as I ate normal food again. So it's just not worth the, the binging. You're doing this for a long-term fix um, and you've got, you've got to unlearn a whole lifetime of mistakes and, and misinformation. So you've got to be kind to yourself. Mm, yeah, that's that's really interesting. You know, being kind to yourself is such a, a valid point there because um, a lot of people, you know, head off to the races and start head down and they, you know, get all this information, they get the information overload and as you said, they, they don't start. And, uh, the, you know, the, the, the most important thing to do is just start when, you, when you're uh, in the in introduction phase. And then I guess in that second phase, it's watching out for those temptations and, and, yeah. uh, and being able to continue on. Uh, and I guess that's sort of where it becomes a little bit of a lifestyle and that's where you've made the switch to it being uh, just a, a, like, I guess, 
in at the start, it's a little bit of a diet because you have to sort of, um, you know, change what foods you might eat or, uh, you know, you might have to throw some foods away or just not buy them. Uh, mm. And then after that, you know, you've actually got to implement it into your lifestyle. So that becomes, you know, no beer and no ice cream and, and uh, mm. being able to say no in those certain respects. Um, I, I, I do have a question about that. Uh, and and how do you deal with those types of temptations? Because I feel like that is uh, such a, it's a, such a roadblock for so many people because, and I've experienced this too. Um, and I I think that, you know, learning to deal with temptation is is such a, a, an important skill. How, how have you sort of, uh, how did you learn that at, at first? And then what does that look like now for you? Yeah, look, I, I think it is really, really important and we're all going to have mess-ups. Um, I think for a lot of people it's much more psychological than it is any true craving or addiction once you pass those first few weeks of, of you know, all the carbs are out of your system because um, they talk about sugar being addictive, which it absolutely is, but it doesn't take long for it to be completely gone. So after that, it, it is all in your head. Um um, what, when I first started, I was super strict and I'm a pretty sort of strict, structured person on myself. Um, so the first probably six months were, was, you know, just I have to do this. So I'm feeling great. I'm losing the weight. You've got that. Um, you look in the mirror and you've got your motivation right there because you're looking the best you ever have and you feel great. Um, it, it is after that that things sort of start to get a little bit harder. And, you know, once you're in the maintenance phase, that's when it gets tougher and tougher. And maybe you just have a quest bar instead of a salad for lunch and that's when things start to loosen up a little bit um for me I just I always remind myself about why I'm doing it um it's not you know I'm not doing this just to fit in a particular pair of jeans or, or a dress or something like that it has to be a long-term thing um and I sort of try and make myself get a bit angry about all the lies we've been told and so you know we've, we've been told for all these years that we should be having low-fat yogurt and all that rubbish whereas you know, we know now we can have a steak with the fat on and put butter on it and we're not missing out on anything. So why on earth would we actually want, you know, sugary chocolate or we can have delicious dark chocolate. And once you sort of change that mindset um, and stop beating yourself up over small mistakes, then they stop blowing out to be, you know, week-long binges or month-long falling off the wagons, that sort of thing. So um, like we were saying before about being kind to yourself, if you do have something bad, don't write off the rest of the meal or the or say oh well I'm having a bad day I may as well have McDonald's for dinner have that little bad thing and then you know fix yourself up get straight back on the wagon don't try and fast to fix it or anything like that just get back on the wagon and, and keep going mm, yeah that's really important to hear because <clears throat> you know uh there's a there's a, a psychological you know sort of term where uh, once you've gone through something like a binge it's on the other side of that, all you want to do is restrict. And, mm. uh, and, and, you know, sometimes that's quite possibly the worst thing to do because all that makes you want to do is binge again down the road. Um, so mm. yeah, that's, I, I totally agree with that. And, uh, and, and, you know, finding those switches between what you really love to eat and then just finding the ketogenic equivalent. I guarantee you now, because there are uh, quite a few ketogenic bloggers like yourself out there, um, mm. you know, you can find these recipes and you can find, uh, you know those those switches that are so easy to make, and uh, mm. you know will will make it, you know, so that you have so much success down the road. And for anyone who is listening from America, twenty kilos is around forty four pounds, I think it is. So. Cool. 
in a year, it, that's a lot. Like a lot of people, you know, say they've lost however many pounds. Um, so yeah, 20 kilos from us. That's, that's a lot. That's great. That's fantastic. It's looking um, back. I, I can't even like think that I was, I was 20 kilos heavier or 44 pounds heavier than, than what I was now. It's just, it, it does not compute in my brain that I ever, you know, got so big eating what I thought was healthy food. And, and that just blows my mind and makes me feel, makes me want to, you know, share it with everybody that is overweight and saying, well, I thought I was eating healthy. That's, that's, you know, the passion. And that's, that's what keeps me going every day is knowing that there's a better way to do it. Mm, yeah, that's really interesting. So I wanted to sort of maybe ask you a few questions about the food blog in, uh, in particular, because I know that, uh, you know, you've started this food blog and you've had it running for a while now, because I remember um, seeing your food blog back when I was starting. And um, so there's a few questions. So how do you go from, you know, creating a recipe to then, uh, you know, writing it down and then to shooting it? Do you, do you have a, uh, a camera that you, you know, switch into manual and then you, have, you know, you have all those aperture and the shutter speed mm. and the ISO and all that sort of stuff? Do you think technically about all of that or is it just this fluid mm. process that happens straight to the website for you? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, I do sort of think about all of that. It's been, um, it's been really fun learning more about photography. So, um, when I first started the food blog, it was, you know, me and my iPhone and standing up on the dining table trying to get a photo, um, and then getting frustrated because it was yellow and, you know, it's just an iPhone. There's only so much you can do with it. Um, so from there, I've progressed to, you know, actually bought a proper DSLR camera. Um, I took a photography course as well. Um, I sort of talked to a couple of bloggers as well who are amazing photographers and, you know, I've gotten some great tips from them. Um, so the photography side of it, it it's a little bit manic because quite often um, the photos you see are what I'm about to eat for dinner and what my husband's about to eat for dinner. <laughs> and we're um, often battling, you know, the sun going down and you'll know, Adam, that natural light's always the best thing for photos. So, mm. um, you know, if it's getting to 6.30 or 7 at night, I'm like scrambling to make a, you know, nicely laid out, you know, tablecloth here and plate here and all that sort of thing. Um, getting up on the chair, trying to get a good angle and then the sun's going down and all the while the food's going cold. So it's like, it can be quite a bit of a scramble to then think about, you know, ISO and aperture and all, all those fun things. Um, so my favourite, my favourite, you know, website time is, you know, a Sunday afternoon where I've just got the whole day and I can take as long as I want. And that's where usually, you know, the cakes and the caramel slices and that sort of thing come out when I've just got all, all day to play around with the flavours rather than, you know, here's what I'm cooking for dinner and I've tried this recipe five times. I know it's a winner and here's the, the final product. So, um from there, it's get the photos. My my initial recipe notes are just this huge page of scramble, you know, <laughs> scribble and arrows here and more salt here and no, not, not 190 degrees, 180 degrees. Um, and for anyone listening, it's always Celsius. I do get asked that all the time. In Australia, we do Celsius on the oven, not Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so then it's, yeah, it's usually on the weekend I'll put aside a couple of hours to um, then, you know, go through all the photos of the hundred photos I'll take. There'll be, you know, two or three or four that I actually like. Um, and then it's all the technical stuff behind the scenes, getting it all uploaded, writing everything up and then doing all of the, the social media stuff. So um, of all of the the time spent, it's probably, you know, probably 30% to 20% is actually cooking and, and the rest is everything else around it. But it's all fun and it's all creative, which I don't really have, you know, another creative outlet. So it's all very interesting. 
Yeah, it's it, it's so uh, it's so awesome to hear that you know because yeah it is it is this massive struggle about getting the food onto the table and mm-hmm. uh, you know before it goes cold and you and y- you've got it sitting on the on the plate and uh, you know whoever's eating with you is like he done yet like yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden this sauce runs a little bit too far to the right and you're like oh it's all ruined I'll just cook it again next week <laughs> forget <Yeah>. about it <laughs> and I, yeah. I tend to be my harshest my own harshest critic as well so if you know something doesn't sit quite right in a photo I just get so angry and I've got a pile of recipes here that I know are delicious but I haven't been able to make them look pretty and so I just I can't bring myself to put up a bad photo anymore <laughs> when I look back at my old iPhone photos. I'm like, no, I can't go backwards. Like the photos have to get better, not worse. That's that's yeah. in my in my mantra. <laughs> I totally agree. What um what brand of camera do you shoot with? Excellent question. I know it's a Canon and it's an EOS 1100D. So yep. I think it's it's a pretty beginner DSLR because I'd never used one before and I didn't want it to be super complicated. Um, and I'm kind of glad I did get a, a reasonably beginner level one because when I was filming a, a video for my um, cheese and bacon bread, um, I didn't have my tripod secured properly and the camera just slow motion fell into the batter of the oh, bread. Oh, no. <laughs> like, got in all the buttons and everything <laughs> it's an absolute mess i i put up the photo on, on my facebook page of the camera covered in batter <laughs> and um so i'm glad i you know didn't spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a camera because i probably would have cried but yeah. it's probably one of the funniest videos ever because it's you know me recording stirring in the bacon bits and the cheese and then all of a sudden you just see the camera start to tilt and you hear me in the background <laughs> going no 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 <laughs> Uh, yeah it was a big mess <laughs> uh, yes i've had that exact same experience before as well and uh you know you have the flip out screen the flip out screen breaks and whatever it is but oh yeah. yes i feel your pain on that one and and i i also shoot with canon i think the colors are amazing but mm-hmm. anyway it's a uh, uh you know blogging talk i guess um mm-hmm. i had a few you know quick questions that are sort of like a little bit of rap, rapid fire uh first thing that comes to your mind uh and um i was wondering if oh sorry i was wondering if uh i could ask you a few of those and you know we could maybe talk about uh some books and some music and some of your favorite food and all that does that sound good to you yeah great all right so the first question i have is uh what is your favorite low carb food or what is your favorite recipe Mm, well, food is cheese. I just, I'm sorry to all the dairy free keto eaters, but it's just cheese is my life. <laughs> and like every day, every week I do shopping, I probably buy like five or six different cheeses. So I'm sorry, but I have, I have to be honest, it's cheese. Um, and my second favorite's butter. So if ever I get, you know, if I get diagnosed as um, dairy free, I'm going to have a hard time at life. <laughs> oh, yeah. What, do you have a particular cheese? Um, you know, honestly, everything. I love mozzarella just because of all the different, you know, fathead doughs and that sort of thing. It's incredibly versatile. Uh, in terms of just eating cheese, parmesan's always a winner, camembert, oh, brie. Yeah. I love halloumi, um, feta, or just everything basically. <laughs> mm, yeah, there's so many different types here. It's so hard to you yeah. know, narrow it down to one. <laughs> mm, all um, the cheese. Yeah, all the cheese, all the butter. What's your mm. least favourite low-carb keto food because you know something that maybe other people might like and and you're not a big fan of 
Yeah, I've, I really love food and so it's hard to find a food I don't like. Um, but I, I really wish I could eat liver because it is so amazing for you and, you know, it's just full of everything good that you need. But when I've had it before, it's just revolting. I just can't <laughs> send the texture or the flavour unless it's in pate. So it's like the only way mm. I can handle it. And I don't know if that really counts. Oh, no, that's kidney, isn't it? No, that's liver. No, no, that's liver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Liver. So, yeah. I don't even want to know what it is. I just know it's delicious. But yeah, <laughs> when I've had liver and like, you know, curries and that sort of thing before, I, I just can't handle it. Yeah, I I am the same. I, I used to use, a, or I still use an app called Chronometer. Uh, and it's basically like MyFitnessPal, but it <clears throat> you can subscribe to the gold version and it basically gives you these foods that you should be eating for your, you know, daily micronutrient values. Uh, mm. And it was suggesting liver to me a lot. Liver, liver, liver. Mm. Oh, no. They probably just suggest it to everybody, though. Don't worry probably. about it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> maybe it's you can have a pill or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should just start taking liver pills. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. Okay, uh, may, maybe we'll have to work on a on a um, pate recipe at some stage. Mm. Um, so, do you have any books? or videos that have recently inspired you. And it doesn't have to be something that, you know, is your lifelong favorite book ever. It's just something that's recently inspired you. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I recently watched The Magic Pill, um, you know, Pete Evans' latest documentary, which is keto, you know, heading in the direction of keto without being blatantly pushing the keto lifestyle. Um, and that just, it got me back on track after a shaky few months that just sort of confirmed those basic reasons of, of why I eat this way and why I, I want everybody to eat this way. So that was really good. Um, books, not keto related, um, but I, I've been reading, um, oh, I just realized it's a swear word, the subtle art of not giving a f. Oh yes, that book <laughs> yeah. is so good. I just realised I probably can't swear on your on your podcast. <laughs> um, but, but I'm about halfway through that, and I've just absolutely loved it. It's just yeah, it's been really simple messaging, which just makes it super clear about you know just getting on with your life and um, giving an f about the things that deserve to be given an f about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I actually recently just read that um, that yeah. book, and I recently watched the Magic Pill. So. That's like right up my alley right now. So, and it's you know, if anyone hasn't read um, or watched that video, that's something that you should do either this weekend or very very soon. Because uh, if if you're someone who's stuck into that you know self help sort of loop where you do a lot of things and you're not actually oh sorry you're reading a lot of things but you're not actually doing a lot of things, I think uh, the subtle art of not getting it, not giving an F is a great book to sort of eject you out of that because um it it tells it how it is as opposed to being overly positive in you know like we we come across this a lot in the weight loss sort of industry i guess where there's all of these before and after photos and as positive as someone is trying to be in that respect they're actually being negative because they're showing people that uh this is I forget how he explains it in the book, but mm. it's really interesting. You should go read it. Yep, absolutely. I think that's the best way, <laughs> best way to style it because I'm sort of halfway through, so I'm getting there with the message. But you're right that you can, you know, I, I'm, I, I never like saying I like self-help books. I, I like personal growth, but um, yeah. you can read so many books and just do nothing with the information, whereas I feel like this one just gets straight to the point and, you know, actually – actually gets you thinking about the world in a different way and out of any self-pity loops about why you can't do something it's just yeah you can do it get out there and you know focus on the important things so it's mm. a good one for anybody who's interested it's really good yeah yeah definitely agree 
Um, so I don't know whether into you're into music. I, I used to be a musician, so mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of music. Um, but you know what? What have you been listening to recently? Yeah, cool. I love music as well. I have to ask, what sort of musician were you? Uh, well, I was a guitarist, bass player, keyboard player. I played in a band and we travelled around Australia, but mostly uh, sort of like indie pop, I guess. But yeah. that was just the band that I was in. I, I went to uni and did jazz and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Awesome. Lots, well, now lots I have to ask what band because I'm into my indie pop, the Australian artists. So, <laughs> what band oh, okay. <laughs> Um, I was in a band called Pigeon. So I don't know whether you know um, the Kite String Tangle. Yeah. Yeah, so he was our singer. Oh, my God, cool. You're so famous. Uh, <laughs> That's <awesome>. no. <laughs> he is a winner. He's our only claim to fame. <laughs> well, you, uh, you know him, so by default you're famous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we probably yeah, like yeah, so. a lot of really similar music then. Like one of my favourite bands is Safia. Um, I've seen oh, them, no way. Yeah, I've seen them live quite a few times. Like absolutely love them. They make me cry tears when I see them at festivals. Um, yes, love Alt-J as well. Um, and then I've, I've been listening to a lot of Queen too I've got a bit of a old school love for for Queen um, and saw them live in March too which was a lifelong dream achieved so um, been listening to all their classic hits quite a bit wow okay so um, Queen awesome very yeah. uh, an amazing band um, and old J as well so I have an interesting story about Safia so they mm-hmm. they supported us um, uh, when we played in Brisbane this would have been about four years ago. And uh, they're such a great bunch of blokes um, and yeah. they're from Canberra. And so we we uh, went to Canberra and we uh, spent a lot of time with them and they they just kept going, you know, they just kept being musicians. And, and now the bass player yeah. from the band that I was in actually does the uh, the tour production for them. So, yeah, it's, oh, no it's a small world. So you are famous. Safia supported you. That makes you <laughs> mega famous. Well, no. So they supported us in Brisbane because they they, they were sort of uh, growing at the time and then we supported them mm-hmm. down there. So I think it was a little That's bit. so cool. But, yeah, very, well, very uh, cool. Yeah, no, I'm such a huge fan of theirs. Like we had um, – when when my husband and I got married about eighteen months ago, our song "Walking Down the Aisle" was a Safia song. Oh, really? Like that's how wow. that's how big of a fan we, you know I am, and he is as well. Like yeah, major. Well, I'm a bit of a fan girl. <laughs> yeah. So so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to edit this and I'm going to play the song. Um, but but uh, can you tell me what song you walked down the aisle to? If you remember, yeah, it was em- embracing me. Of course, I remember. It was my wedding song. <laughs> <laughs> embracing me. I know that song very well. Yeah. That's so cool. All right, I'm going to cut to that. Yeah, funny. Um, so this has been such a great podcast. It's so awesome to to meet such a, a vibrant um, person that you know does food blogging is and lives in Australia as well. So this is really really awesome. Um, and I have an ending question. Uh, that I think a lot of people might, you know, get, get a lot of use out of. So I might actually break it up into two. And the the first one would be, uh, you know, the ketogenic diet related. And then the second one would, would be website related. So mm-hmm. what would be your number one tip uh, to get, you know, getting started on the ketogenic diet? I know we spoke a little bit about this before, but what would be your absolute number one? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I think it's probably, it, it might 
sound like I'm oversimplifying it, but it is just eat real food. <laughs> it's, it's as simple as that. Um, stop trying to be tricky with, um, you know, replacement foods and some people call them Franken foods. Forget about shakes, forget about pills, any of that. Um, everything you need can be gotten from fresh food, which is available at every supermarket around you. So if you just stick to, you know, really simple meals, um, they don't have to be amazing recipes to impress anybody. If you just eat, you know, some protein, some salad and put some fat on it, you're eating ketogenic. That's as simple as that. So um, keep it simple. Mm, yeah, that's a really good tip. And I think that's uh, the basis of a lot of uh, meals for people in general. So that's great. Um, and then the other question would be, what is your number one tip to getting started in the food blogging world? Because there's, again, there's so much information out there. There's so many things that you probably need to buy that you don't have or vice versa that you uh you know you've got all of these things that you probably didn't need to buy and um mm. what, what would be uh, maybe you know your number one tip for the website and then maybe your number one tip mm. for the uh, photography as well Mm, for sure. Well, they're probably one and the same because I think the number one tip for having a, a food website or even, you know, a food Instagram or Facebook is the photography. Because um, at the end of the day, I mean, if you smell a delicious meal, you want to eat it, but you can't you can't smell the photo and you can't read the recipe and, and think, oh, gee, that that's going to taste delicious. If you don't have great photos, you've got nothing really on the, on the internet. So um, even if you're shooting with your iPhone, just you know, learn a couple of tricks. Um, you can get little attachable flashes and little rings that light up things beautifully. Um, spend $2 on an app that, that makes your photos look amazing and um, use those filters if you want to, crop the photos. Um, and then there's heaps of ebooks and things out there about composing your photo as well. So um, you'll see the if next time you see a food photo that you think looks really great, look at how it's set up um, and look at what else is around the food and what colour the plate is and how that contrasts to the food and then what colour the, you know, the napkins are and how is it square on in the middle of the photo or is it slightly to the left or is it above angle or is it on the angle of the table? So just start looking at photos that look great and educate yourself. There's, you know, there's a million and one different things online to help you with that. Mm, yeah, I, I would totally agree with the composition part, you know, because every time I, I set up the food that you're about to make, um, you could literally just replace the big, heavy, expensive camera with your iPhone within the exact same point, maybe uh, not in the same regards with aperture and things like that, but you could get a very, very similar shot if you mm. just used your iPhone and it's all about composition and it's all about the light that you're using. Um, and mm. if you get that right, then it doesn't really matter what camera you're using. So even if you're just starting out, simply using your iPhone and getting really creative with the things that you have uh, is, yeah, I would totally agree. That's such a great point. Um, I think what you said there about the light too is really important. I mean, natural light just looks 1,000 times better than any light in your kitchen or your lounge room or anything like that. So if you can, put your plate outside and you'll see that, you know, all of a sudden your photo looks amazing. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Well, it's been uh, an absolute honour to uh, to interview the keto queen. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and um, and it, where where can people find you? 
Yeah, sure. So um, my website is Aussie Keto Queen, which is A-U-S-S-I-E, ketoqueen.com. Um, that's sort of where all the all the um, recipes and all the latest happenings are. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, all the usual ones, Aussie Keto Queen, um, and Pinterest as well. I share all of my recipes on there. So um, if you want to send me an email, it's just rachel at aussieketoqueen.com. Great. And, and if anyone goes over to your website, what would be the first recipe you'd get them to make? Oh, well, probably because it's my most popular is the cheese and bacon bread. Um, so it's just like this savoury loaf. It tastes like, um, you'll know, Adam, I don't know if the overseas listeners will, but the Baker's Delight cheese and bacon scrolls you uh, used to yeah. get. <laughs> yeah, it tastes like that. It gets this like crispy top of cheese on it. And it's got a little bacon bits and it's just to die for. You can have it for breakfast or as a snack or whatever you want, really. Um, but just don't eat it all, please, whatever you do. Just have, just have one slice. You can put some butter on it, but then freeze the rest or save it for lunches. That sounds delicious. I'm going to go have to make that right now. It's probably. Pretty, and you know what? I bet you've got everything because it's almond flour, sour cream, eggs, bacon, butter. Like that's it. Oh, that's easy. That's really yeah. awesome. <laughs> I think that's why people love it. Yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And uh, uh, yeah, it's, it, we've got so many good questions in here and so many good answers that I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of benefit out of this. So again, Great. thank you so much. And, uh, and I'm sure I'll be talking to you soon. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this podcast, make sure you hit subscribe to be notified next week when the podcast arrives. If you could do one small act of kindness for today, I would greatly appreciate a review from you. It's really easy and it allows me to keep making podcasts just like this one every week just for you. Head on over to fatforweightloss.com.au forward slash podcasts for the latest updates and all the show notes. Until next week.